<laughs> it's called um, every generic piece of slash fiction that's ever existed. It's called orgasm cake. <laughs> Make of that what you will. It's called uh, the werewolves fuck at dawn. I never understood that as well. And then I remember as a kid thinking that, okay, so he loaded the pet cake or something that made her piss herself. Hang on again. So in, in Reloaded, yeah, there's the whole thing with the Merovingian where he sends a piece of cake to the woman's table. Yes. And then they show you all the, and it literally like zooms in into her crotch and you like... And Orgasms. In theory, it's meant to be that she orgasmed, but yeah. I always read it as he loaded it with something like some sort of laxative that made her <laughs> either shit herself or piss herself. <laughs> like, but maybe that's just my, my naive, like... I think that's might be a little bit of naivety there. Possibly. But there you go. I hadn't taken the red pill yet. I wasn't awake. Yeah. I was still sleeping. You are awake, not woke. Hello and welcome to the, the Omcast. The desert, the desert of the Omcast. My name is Dom. As one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. Hello. Ergo. Ergo. What Can... is hello? Well, how do you define? Well, how hello? do you define hello? Can you touch it? Can you touch it? Can you smell it? Can you feel it? Can is you, it real? Can you eat it? Can you put it up your nose? Hello is like a splinter in my mind. Hello <laughs> is, a, is a question unfounded. <laughs> a question not answered, but experienced, felt. You know the question. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're talking bollocks already. Are in... we? <laughs> what is bollocks? How do you what define is bollocks? bollocks? How do bollocks? <laughs> can you smell it? Can you taste it? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends if you've been for a run. In this episode, we're going deep into the rabbit hole and talking about the original Matrix trilogy ahead of the release of the next film in the franchise, The Matrix Resurrections. Oh, yeah, I forgot that's what it's called. Yeah, Resurrections. So they've all got our titles, um, the, the sequels. But yeah, we're talking about The Matrix. Um, or are we? You know, don't, <laughs> we could be here all day if we keep doing that shit. So yeah, we're talking about the Matrix trilogy um, as it currently stands. We were always led to believe, or you know, it was assumed for a long time that the idea was that it was a trilogy that was complete. Yeah. Um, and like you hear stories about how the brothers always pitched it as a trilogy; they wanted a trilogy, um, and I, I tend to believe that. In fairness, yeah. Um, but as it as the case may be, there are there is a fourth movie coming out. There is the Matrix Four. Um, it's still kind of shrouded in secrecy. There's been a couple of little trailers and things, but it's still very vague as to what they're doing. It's clearly gonna be a continuation of this first three movies. Um, but we thought it'd be a great opportunity to go back and, and revisit them um, because they are a really interesting series of movies to talk about. Um, so there's obviously a lot of different directions we can go down, and that's how we're gonna talk about this. But I think the the opening part the part should always be what our first experiences of them were. Mm. And I think this is, again, going to be similar to what we talked about on the Ghostbusters um, episode, where our the time, you know, the age gap between yourself and I is going to make a bit of a difference. Yeah. Um, because for me, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so The Matrix, yeah. No, hang on, let me think about it. You, you, so wh- where, was, where were you when the first Matrix came out? In ni- 1999, the first one came out. So I was... Uh, 14? Yeah. 15? So you're like prime age, really, for it, aren't you? Kind of. Like, but... Yeah. 
it was one of those things where <clears throat> like cinema at that point in my life cinema wasn't like a massive thing like as, as a you know as an outdoor kid for a bit for a, a year or two <laughs> and uh yeah didn't really do a lot with the cinema but then obviously the advent of dvd and stuff came around and we were watching i remember watching it the first time at home like just completely missed it at the cinema yeah and then I'd come back from my mum's house and I was at my dad's and all my friends were all there waiting for me because they'd heard that my brother had The Matrix on DVD and that we were going to watch a DVD together and it was going to be The Matrix. And we were all like, oh my God. And we, it was really exciting. Uh, ex- <laughs> except for the fact that every time something happened, one of my friends would pause it and then we would have to fucking discuss it. So my first... That was your first view? That was my first viewing of The Matrix. Oh, that's annoying. Was fucking insufferable. Yeah, okay. Because I was just like, I just want to watch this film. Yeah. And then we finished, and then we all went out, and then I came home after going out with my buddies for the day, and I watched it again on my own. Yeah. And it was one of those things, like, it it, it soured it a bit, but it was it was quickly, over time... I came to appreciate how good The Matrix is for what it was. So my first viewing, unfortunately, my first viewing was skewed because of, you know, people that thought they were very clever. Yeah. For 14-year-olds who thought we were very clever. Yeah. And we weren't. We were just like, oh, my God, did you see? Did you see there was a rabbit? She had a white rabbit tattoo. Did you see it? Oh, you could have missed it. You were really... if If you didn't look at the specific shot, that they that they shot yeah specifically of the white rabbit of the close up of the white rabbit that took up the entire <laughs> the frame of the, on the foot on the screen then you wouldn't have seen it then you wouldn't have seen especially it especially not with this clarity now we got with DVD we can see that <laughs> back on VHS you wouldn't have spotted that <laughs> exactly that's exactly it that was part of my problem was it, it was like for that but then uh, like gradually over time like having like. You know, I sort of I read some of the Invisibles as I was going as I'd gotten older. I'd like gone through Neuromancer and yeah. So explain. Like, so yeah, before we move on from that point, the Invisible. My understanding is that they there's a bit of a contentious point with the Invisibles in there. Where yeah, it's like Grant they, Morrison. Like it's yeah. it's going to be a lot to get into really, but it's Grant Morrison who wrote the Invisibles has. Um, there are a lot of like connections between yeah, like the a, agents and like the way that things work and like. Yeah, we could, honestly we could go at it for hours. Like I don't, I don't remember the Invisibles enough to be able to yeah. go into the depth of the, it. But, but I know the, that Grant Morrison is very unhappy with the Wachowskis. Yeah, who said? Uh, I think at first they said that it was they didn't even no, and it was and, like parallel thinking or whatever. And then over time they were like, well, yeah, we did see it, but we didn't take anything from it. And you're like, mm. yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. That, do your own research onto that. But there's a whole, there are whole conspiracy theories about it. And it's similar to like that. I think I remember us talking about the, um, the Lion King, where there was that um, animated Lion King from um, oh, Kimber the White Lion. Kimber the White Lion. That's it. Yeah. And you can. There's like the whole did Disney plagiarize it. And you yeah. Can, yeah. Go do your own research on that. That's that's a whole mm. other podcast. Because there's there's a lot to be honest. Like you can tell that the Wachowskis are like fans of mm. this, and this is like an opus that's been pulled together from all of these different yeah. media. You can't, it's undeniable yeah. that there are so many things out there. There's a, there's an anime that's out there, I think it's called like Mega City 2 or something yeah, yeah. like that. And that is about somebody who gets a prototype motorbike. Mm. And it's so fast that it sort of 
reveals that there's like mm-hmm. a simulation situation going on and like there's more beyond the curtain yeah okay. than you're led to believe in this yeah this world and uh but yeah we're not really good i don't think we should get into that no. because i think that's just going to start treading all over the fact that we've got three films to talk about absolutely um so for me then for the matrix um so i was a bit young for it so obviously when it first 1999 i would have been eight yeah so way too young and also at that time as well you've got to remember that in 1999 there were two movies that came out the matrix and star wars episode one and phantom menace yes and the second one kind of dominated my life <laughs> yeah um so much so that i've still got a shitload of like just merch and stuff because that movie was insane like just the amount of merchandise and just and for yeah that, that took over my life but then i think it was like a couple of years sort of later i started hearing about the matrix and like, and again, it was DVD. It was the fact mm-hmm. that everyone, a lot of people, seemed to have it on DVD because it was like one of those. It was a, the, the DVD that came with your DVD player in two thousand and one. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? It was like it was that and Gladiator. It was like that those, Gladiator <laughs> and yeah. Jaws. Yeah, for some reason, yeah. Um, so, but then it became this thing where it was like I was aware of it, and I was aware of like my uncles or like older or like friends of like friends of my dad or like adults or older kids yeah. were into it and said oh have you seen the matrix and it became this thing so did you get it the first time oh i didn't really get it and it yeah. became that so then it became like this thing where i was like oh, i wanted to seek it out and i wanted to see whether i would be able to get it <laughs> yeah. or not and it's like everyone goes but oh the first time i saw it i didn't really understand it and i'm like well i, I wonder if i will i wonder if, like, and then it yeah. became this thing um so then i think i got oh, again yeah we had the dvd as part of when we got our first dvd player i think and i watched it on my own, I think on like my laptop at the time, which was like the idea of you putting a disc in a laptop and then you can watch a movie. Um, <laughs> but it was for me, and at that point, I must have been probably like because uh, it was. I think it was around the time when they started like hyping up the fact that the sequels were coming in two thousand three. So it must right. have been maybe two thousand one, two thousand two when I watched it. Yeah. Um, but I watched it the first time, and I was just, yeah, it was properly like mind blowing, and like I was thinking about it, and just as a kid, it was just like starting to develop like my love of film really at that kind of point um but still very much a child <laughs> it was like no, no no i get it no i totally get it no i know what they're talking about but then also <laughs> that bit where he did the flip and did the shooting that was really cool wasn't it <laughs> yeah. I, want those, I want a pair of sunglasses like that i want to dress all in black clip on sunglasses clip on sunglasses boots up to your knees yeah exactly and then, no, no, no yeah i got it and like you watch the matrix yeah did you understand it yeah yeah, 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 I totally did you? got it. Yeah, yeah, of course did. And then it became a thing. And then, of course, by the time the sequels came around, I was fully entrenched in it, massively bought into all the hype. And my poor suffering dad took me to see them. <laughs> and we watched them on DVD. I only found this out recently when we were talking about the new one. He was like, God, I had to sit through those movies. And I was like, I never even thought about that. I'm sorry. Um, and I got the game and that was a whole thing. And so by the time, yeah, by the time 2003 hit, I was all over it. Um, but I think it was just like this this awakening of me in terms of Star Wars was like the dumb sci-fi simple shit. And it's yeah. like, oh, this is something else. This is for grown-ups. Yeah. This, this is, is gro- like, this, this is, is the me, an intellectual. Yeah, exactly. It's the grown-up like, stuff. It's like, oh no, if you're, if you're really cool, if you're really like, yeah. like then you can get them out, which is ties into the themes of the movie in, as well, which is great. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, where, where do we start in terms How of- many of your friends decided to start using hacker names? Oh, no one. No one gave a shit. That's the thing. It was just me. I think that's part of why I sort of latched onto it as well, is because I, 
My, my what friend, was your hacker name? No, see, I didn't have a hacker name. Of course, you, yes, you did. No, so, no, I didn't. Like, because the whole like that wasn't part of it for me. It was just like a movie. Yeah. But I didn't have like an online presence, or I wasn't aware of computers in the same way that I would have been like a few years later, maybe. Um, but no, it wasn't so much a thing that like I shared with friends and stuff. It was it was something that was mine and I was really into. I didn't really yeah. know a lot of other people who were really into it. Like a lot of people people were into because it was contemporary with Lord of the Rings and um, the prequel trilogy, Star Wars. Yeah, those things you could talk about and people. Everyone had you know people had opinions on them and there were different levels of nerd. But everyone had seen them. The Matrix was something slightly different. Only a handful of people had were as into it or gave a shit about it as much as I did. Yeah. So that made it feel a bit more special and I feel like there's obviously there is that that keep the reason that it connects with people and it's probably connected with me at that point so much is that whole thing of the feeling of alienation like everything else in the world is is weird yeah. and you're out of step with the world. Yeah. And there's that whole speech that like Trinity has with Neo is like, I know why you sit night after you, night in front of your computer you're looking for something. Yeah, and, like, and that speaks to the nerds. Yeah, that this movie is targeted at. So it's like obviously I'm going to gravitate towards it, even though yeah. I, even if I'm only aware of it at a subconscious level at yeah. that point because I'm so I'm a kid. Um, but fuck me, the Matrix is so good, isn't it? The first one. The first one's unbelievable. <laughs> like we were, I rewatched it this week, obviously. But I remember you and I went to go and see it in the cinema a couple of years ago. <clears> didn't we? Yeah, for the 20th anniversary. Yeah, and fuck, it's just it's so good. It's so it's. What I would argue it's one of the definitive action movies of the 20th century. Like, yeah. you can't talk about the way that action has been done on film without referring to the Matrix. No, and that's what I like is, and we'll maybe talk about this later on. But I like that there's been there are revolutions in terms of action cinema, mm. in terms of what's expected, in terms of you know, stunt work and what, what people expect to go and see when they see an action movie. And there have been a couple in, in the last sort of 20 years and they both revolved around Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And that is uh, The Matrix and, and, John, John Wick. and John Wick, which yeah. have changed everything. And now everything is a little bit like John Wick. And yeah. then back in, when The Matrix came, that was, everything's a little bit like The Matrix. Yeah. And it's all down to him being this like, he's like, I love Keanu. I love it. I think he's an amazing bloke. He's not the best actor in the world. But goddamn, is he a good action star? And does he commit to the physicality of it? Yeah. And just like the dude learnt kung fu and did a lot of like, particularly in the first one, when you go back and watch like the behind the scenes stuff, he did most of it with a neck brace on. Yeah. Because <laughs> he had like two vertebrae fused together or something. Yeah. So, like, I, but, I, re- I remember hearing something about. It. I mm. didn't really know the details of it. But. Yeah, but there's loads of like footage of him and um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne practicing the dojo fight with it, and he's wearing a neck brace. Yeah. It's, yeah, but he's just like, yeah. Anyway, um, so, <sighs> Matrix. <laughs> but like you say, like, it is like this, you know, it's set a precedent for films to come afterwards with yeah. the way that it addressed, like the gunplay before and after the Matrix is, yeah. is, is quite, there's like a clear difference in the way that sort of guns were used post Matrix yeah there's, there's guns but then there's also like I think there's an expectation what happened after it is the expectation of actors to do their own stunts mm. because the reason it works so well is because like the dojo fight is a great example of it because the dojo fight is a great action sequence and it looks amazing but it also has to serve a purpose in terms of the plot yeah. and stuff so it has to have Lawrence Fishburne explaining something to Keanu Reeves it can't be two stuntmen talking to one another no. so for that reason they had to learn Kung Fu Yeah, but now that's become the standard 
I yeah. think since then is that actors do their own stunts. Yeah. So even like as recently as things like Black Widows, like you can see that is Florence Pugh doing that flip. Yeah. And she it took her however many years to, to crack it or how many hours of training. Yeah. But she did it herself. Yeah. And that's the pre- that's what started with the Matrix. Yeah. That idea that like you have to be a triple threat if you're going to be an action star now. You have yeah. to. You can't fake it anymore. I mean, the thing is, like, there are still like you still get a lot of people that are that do have stunt persons. So like um. The, the Rock, for example, is a really famous example who does so few of his own stunts because he's so valuable. Yeah. That the insurance is like, no. Nah. Yeah. And like, it's his cousin. And like, it's his cousin who's like a spitting image of him. He's almost the same height, exactly the same beard. Yeah, I think not, maybe not so much stunts. Maybe but like, it's when act, you see it, like, you see about like the commitment to the roles yeah. of. Like when you see Sebastian Stan, for example, like practicing the, the fight where he, with like the knife flip yeah. for. Uh, Winter Soldier and yeah. when you see you know when you look at stuff like Equilibrium and you see yeah. like Christian Bale the amount of like commitment that he had to that role and <laughs> but again like yeah. you look at all these big sort of like tentpole superhero movies and which is what you know cinema is at that stage at the moment and people are learning these things yeah and people are filling the role and like looking a certain way and acting a certain way and like you say yeah, it does kind of come from that like mm. It was it was it was refer it was the method before yeah you know then when you look at interestingly enough the same year nineteen ninety nine like Fight Club yeah yeah like yeah. Brad Pitt in Fight Club yeah um but it's interesting it's like yeah so Fight Club and this so in terms of, we we haven't really talked about the, sort of the idea of what the movie is mm. so the idea of the of the first Matrix is that the Matrix is a, we are living in a computer simulation yeah. That has been created by machines in order to keep our minds busy whilst they turn our bodies into a power source for themselves, yeah. i.e. turn us into a battery. Um, and then as we're, jack- we're plugged into this, we can be awoke- awakened from it into the real world, which is actually 200 years in the future, and yeah. it's like a bombed out post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, That's it. But like, I say that now, we're all just like, yeah. But back then, <laughs> back then it was yeah, it's it was such a high it concept. Was, it yeah. was yeah, and we like, I get a bit snobbish about it now because I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, it's all so like edgy, mm. and it's all like edgy and like oh, humans are being fed to humans in vats, and you know we're all just batteries and blah blah blah. But it's because we've had twenty two years yeah. of like. Of it being deconstructed with well, also like, just the, like the smallest tools possible, but like, like internet culture and just the idea of like all these like you know uh oh wake up man sheeple and all that yeah, shit. yeah that didn't exist in 1999 no like now we're all tired of it now even even the stuff from the film itself has been appropriated and there's the red pill movement which we won't yeah. get into on here because it's fucking shit but like it's become such a thing now that we when you go back and watch it through in 2021 it takes on a different meaning yeah like i said to you the other day when i was watching so there's the sequ- there's a couple of great sequences in the first one where morpheus just explains everything yeah and there's the first the conversation he has with neo is like iconic and he has this whole thing was like you feel the matrix wherever you go you feel Mm. it when you um go to work when you um was it when you when you go to church when you pay your taxes yeah and like back then it was like oh yeah like the world man like it's trying to keep you down yeah and now you're watching and go he if he could had continued in that conversation he could have like literally got him into like QAnon conspiracy or yeah. whatever yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's just like it could have been quite easily it's like, like oh no this is a cult 
right, I'm out, see ya. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is internet indo- indoctrination to like a new level. But that you wouldn't have thought about that even no. a couple of years ago watching it. I think now it's interesting going back to it, which I'm interested to see if they address any of that kind of stuff yeah. in the new one. I hope, maybe not, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the first one, it's so tightly wound, and you've got characters in the first one that kind of, that sum up the philosophy or with people like Cypher, played by Joe Pantoliano. Who's yeah. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. He's so good in that. But like he like He's a really underrated actor. He is. Like, he's brilliant. He's so good. Um and you, you they serve a purpose in terms of like, right, well Cypher's plot in that and we're gonna spoil these because it's yeah, yeah twenty it's years old. Twenty But the idea old. of Cypher is that he's a member of the resistance, one of the people who've been awoken from the Matrix who then decides he wants to jack back in. Yeah. And he says, right, well, that is an interesting idea, and it serves a, it drives the plot of the movie forward. Mm. So it's not just an idea for the sake of an idea. Yeah. Which is kind of what they get into in the sequels. Yeah. The characters, all they are is just there to talk about an idea, and so what? Whereas Cypher believes something, but his belief then has a consequence in the plot. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's, it's and same with Agent Smith. Even the oh, Agent Smith and Hugo Weaving in one. Oh my god! Yeah, um, he's fucking brilliant because, like, going going back to Cipher, when you realise that, like, you've got this character that's had this experience and has realised that. You know, when he was... Because they talk, there's that line when they say, oh, you know, we have a rule that we don't unplug anyone after a certain age. Yeah. So you can tell that, like, he's an older guy. Yeah. And that he's been at this for years and he's yeah. just, like... He's just fucking sick of the slog well, just, of eating well, paste and... Yeah, well, it's just like the... I like the... Because they, they get into this more in the sequels as well, but the idea of the, of the layers of systems. Yeah. The layers are things that we are slaves to. Yeah. Like so then he goes, Oh, so you call you call this free? All I do is what he tells me to do. Yeah. It's like he's your boss. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're in the real world and yeah, you're free, but you still have there's still a hierarchy. Yeah. And there's still things that you have to do. It's like I have to get up and go to work. Why? Because I have to. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, are any of us really free? And, it's just, and then it then it starts getting into layers of like, Well, if if it's a choice between that and the matrix, I choose the matrix. And it's like yeah. I totally get that. I totally get it's like my brain is telling me that this steak is juicy yeah. and delicious. And do you know what I've realised? Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> God damn, I love this fucking movie so much. And it's um, that it's but again from like a directorial side of things, like the pull out mm. of that, like the music the like the musical spike. Yeah. As that happens and the camera pulls out and you just see this like yeah, glorious restaurant around him. That's the thing go, like the first one is directed so well and like you see again like they did loads of storyboarding and then there's mm. literally translated but there's so many cool shots in it. So little things like in the the opening sequence with Trinity where like there's the coppers about to cuff her and you see the shot through her arm yeah. of the like that's a really cool shot. Yeah. But like by the time they get to the second, the pre, uh, the sequels, they don't do any of that. No. They just they just they shoot. They hadn't didn't have time. But they just shoot everything as basically as possible. It's yeah. shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot, and that's it. And it's just like all the creativity had gone. You can tell that the first movie is very much like it's like the first album. It's like you know, um, it's the first, yeah, it's like a it's like a band's first album. This is the what they've been building towards all their lives, sort of thing, and it, they've put all their creativity and everything yeah. they've always wanted to do because they don't know if they're ever going to get to do it again. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I just 
I love the, I love the first one so much. Same. Um, like, it, it's, it's just it's, like because the thing with all these movies, all three of them, is that they are a combination of philosophical or high concept conversations mm-hmm. and action sequences. Yeah. And in terms of the best, it's all in the first one. Yeah. So the philosophical conversations are things like the desert of the real conversation with Morpheus where they show you stuff. It's not just him sat. Like, you imagine if it was just him and Neil sat in those two leather-bound chairs mm. and he just said everything. He didn't see anything. So he talks about how human beings are now grown in pods. Yeah. And he t- he talks about that, but we get, we see it. It's visualised. Yeah. And it looks like it's horrific and like and scary grim and grimdark, but you see it as he's voiceovering. Um which makes it that much more impactful, which they kind of forget in the next one. Um, and then, yeah, and then it's equally, like the next, one of the other big ones in, um, the first one is uh, Agent Smith and um, Morpheus. Mm. And he's expounding about, you know, the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect world. <laughs> yeah. Where everyone would be happy. It was a disaster. Entire <laughs> crops were lost. But then again, like, He's expounding at him and he's he's monologuing, but yeah, he, and it gives us exposition, but it has a purpose in purposeful, the plot. Yeah. yeah, and that's why that's the thing. That's what I love so much about the original one is that it's so tightly packed and yeah. so like exquisitely put together that it all worked. And it's like again, it it, it encapsulates on its own. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, and then the, and then this thing with so that's the philosophical philosophical side of it, and then the action side of it. What works in the first one is that there is a tension to it, yeah, that is lost in the sequels. Like the opening sequence with Trinity, like you have no idea what the fuck's going on at no. that point. You don't know. All you know is this is a protagonist, and these people are chasing her. Yeah, but you can feel in like Carrie Ann Moss's performance, she's fucking scared. Yeah, she's terrified, and you can feel that tension. Like that moment where she jumps through the window and she like points the guns back and she's like, get up, Trinity, get up, and get forcing yeah. herself to get up. And like you feel that like there's a desperation and attention yeah. to it, and then you f- you feel that when they fight the um, when they fight Agent Smith, mm-hmm. like when Morpheus fights him and he's just getting absolutely pasted, and then when Neo then turns around and fights him later on, and you go oh fuck yeah, you feel like oh shit I don't know what's going to happen here, and you see like your protagonist like struggle and overcome those struggles. Yeah. The, the foot chase with all the agents between with um, Neo is great. Yeah. Like the little moment where the um, the little old lady changes into an agent and then throws a knife <laughs> yeah. at him. It's like yeah, like this idea that yeah you're oppressed and every single person in this world is out to get you. Yeah, quite literally. There is no escape. No, like once they found you, they're coming. It's to such get a you, great like... concept as a as a foot like a yeah action movie basically, yeah. isn't it? None of that in this. And no, and that's that. Like, there's that. There's the there's, there's like a line in um, uh, Reloaded. When they say, oh, you know, you said we should never go on a highway, that it's suicide. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I get it. And then they just, but then... The freeway's one of the best things. The, the one, it's one of the best things. But again, conceptually, like, you, you're cutting off your own rules because there's four agents. Yeah, shouldn't everyone be an agent? Technically, yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty much. Like, yeah, like there's true. fucking 5,000 cars that have driven past in this time. Like, every single one of them could have been an agent. That's true. Like, yeah. you could have had... Uh, you could have had a point where all the cars behind them are all being driven by agents and it's they're all the cars are swarming like the Sentinels do. Yeah, yeah. That would have had like, you know, a visual... Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. A, a, you know, a visual reflection of like the Matrix versus the real world and 
but you know it makes sense and it's a really fucking cool action sequence yeah but that's kind of the peak for yeah. the, both the sequels yeah in my of. opinion like I don't think the Burly Brawl is fucking no, shit I, I, the I, I, final I, su- the 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 city city of smiths or the world no, of yeah, smiths true but I, I, I do like the big mech battle in revolutions but we can talk about that when we get there um, yeah but like yeah, in terms of the first one before we move on from that like I don't know I, I love yeah I love the whole thing it's just like yeah there are certain things that still like from a plot point of view I don't quite understand like I don't it's the the resurrections element of it that I don't quite get which is interesting why that's they've called it that so in both so Neo comes back from the dead yeah and then in the sequel in, in Re- Reloaded he brings Trinity back from the dead and it's, I don't quite understand how either of those things happened so I don't think he see in my mind I don't think he actually died in the first one yeah but because if he if he had actually died then it wouldn't have been a thing because he can die in the real world mm. But in the Matrix, because he's the one, he can. He can't die. He can transcend. Because, he yeah, can transcend idea. death in that because. Yeah. He's the he's the spiritual one or whatever it is, and well, he's yeah. got this bespoke connection to the Matrix that nobody else has. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And that he can again, there is no spoon. Like. Yeah. When, you talk about like yeah, you're not going to bend the spoon. If you if you think about bending the spoon, then you're not going to be able to do it. If you think about resurrecting yourself, you're not going to be able to do it. If you realise that you're not, there isn't a death. It's like those there bullet, is no death. It was like those death. bullets aren't real. Yeah, those bullets aren't real. That death isn't real. Just because you're yeah, you've experienced it mm. mentally. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you've physically experienced it. You might physically, but because he's able to transcend the code. Mm. Yeah, yeah, then, no, then that sense. death doesn't make sense. Then that death isn't actually a thing because it's not a real death. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. And he's he's you know in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. You know, like yeah, just because he can adapt that code, so it doesn't make a difference if he gets killed in the Matrix because he can come back. Yeah, and then he can. That's when you and then you see that reflection when he starts seeing the yeah. matrix code everywhere and he's like right i can now see this i can yeah experience it. and it was that point of him being dying in inverted quotes in mm. the matrix that made him realize that oh no i'm not dead yeah i'm and dead in the video game yeah but i'm not dead in real life yeah yeah okay because i think that's that's the, the the arc of the movie and we haven't really talked about the idea of the one yet but the central concept, one of the other central concepts of this trilogy is that Neo, the protagonist played by Keanu Reeves, is what they call, uh, what the Resistance call, the One. Yeah. And the One is like the chosen one, standard like you've seen in countless different franchises. He's Harry Potter, he's Luke Skywalker. It's So it means that in that first movie, it's very much the hero's journey. Yeah. The hero is taken out of their ordinary life and told that they are very special, and then at the end of the movie, they are the ones to save the world yeah and that's and that is the plot of the first movie really um although it does lead up there is more yet to come at the end of the first movie like he's not he doesn't destroy the whole system at the end of the first no. movie so that he does leave on a, even though it could have been self-contained and been on its own there is more story to tell mm. and they do get into that um but yeah like 
I really the 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 thing they layer in there, which is great, is this whole idea that it's like it's about um, self belief. Yeah, it's about yeah he's beginning to believe all that stuff that Morpheus says is like yeah he's he's going to turn around and fight the agents because he's starting to think that he can be the one. And it's like well yeah. the, no the 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 oracle told me I wasn't the one. And he goes no 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 she told you only what you were meant to like. There's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Yeah. And like that, she has "Know Thyself" written in Latin above her yeah. doors. I fucking love it. It's so good, um, and that's brilliant because. Yeah. And the, the oracle generally, like, I love the oracle scene in the first movie. Yeah, it's great. And that's that again. It's brilliant because, as much as a lot of that conversation, like, there's so much like mumbo jumbo that's like sprinkled on top of everything. Yeah, that's you know to that as you get again, like we're looking at it, you know, with a filter from 2021, not 99, but when you look back at it now, there's so much like mumbo jumbo and like really surface level scraping of like Plato's cave and yeah, allegory yeah. and blah, 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 blah. But, um, and yeah, there's all these like philosophical concepts in there that are like, like paper thin, but yeah. where they're all layered on top of one another, it starts to make a bit more sense yeah, and yes. you can start to see where everything comes from. Yeah. But that scene in particular, because that resonates so much with sort of still to like, with genuine like psychological concepts that if you tell someone something, they're less likely to believe it than when they can do it themselves. It's like, now don't worry about the vase. What vase? Yeah. Now what's really gonna bake your noodle layer is would you still have broken it if I hadn't said anything? Yeah. Oh, fucking, so and but and, and again, like there's that the the reflective conversation that you have in three mm. where he talks about the cookie jar. Yeah, the, cu- the, cookies. the cookies. Like, did you know I was going to do that? Because if you did, that means you did it on purpose. Yeah. Purely for me to smash it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And then, but it's, yeah, it's really interesting because if, yeah, if you tell someone that they're going to win a race, they're like, yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. But unless, until they believe it. Yeah. And it's that visualization but concept there's... of being able to be in that position and go, I know, no, I can do this. I am the winner here. Yeah. I am capable of it. Self-actualization is a greater learning tool than just being told something. Yeah, and that's the journey of the first movie, and that's yeah. why it's strong and and the it's self-contained. Mm. It doesn't it, he goes from not believing that he like goes from being plugged into a system and being a complete slave to it to being awoken to going to the next stage of being like in charge of his own. Because even like they have the conversation about, do you believe in fate? Because mm. no, I don't like the idea of not being in control of my own life. Yeah, and he takes control of his own life at the end. Yeah, to the nth degree, like fuck. And God, but again, and again, like we say, <laughs> talking about the first one, like there's that situation where there's the subway fight, which is classic piece oh, of film. God, I love that fight. But so, but philosoph not not philosophically, but from a like conceptual point of the film, and the learnings that he has there is that you go. He's fighting an agent. Yeah. And he's winning. Yeah. Well, it's because he has the option to run up the stairs. Yeah. And he chooses to turn around and that's when, yeah, Morphe's he's what's he doing? He's beginning to believe. Yeah. And that's, and that bit there is like a real, is a much greater point of the film after this time of like, after all this time of like learning about films and stuff is that at that point, he believes that he can fight an agent and win. Yeah. And that's what he does. Yeah. And then when Smith comes, and then after the the fight finishes, and he's won, yeah. he starts to leave, 
Smith comes out of the train. Yeah. Well, and he, he's like, and it's like, oh, okay, he's got to do this again, but he's got to get away. Yeah. In, th- in fairness, though, he only won that fight with the help of those uh, wires that he cling- clung on to as he was doing the flip. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love those little, like, because little things like speaking about it from a meta level uh, for a little bit is the the first movie is done on that sort of true string budget film school like finding ways around like things. guerrilla way of yeah. doing things uh, whereas the second two have like just got all the money in the world to yeah. throw it and it's to its detriment but like that it means that you do end up getting shots like at the end of that fight neo f- does a backflip out off the train track but you can see clearly keanu reeves grabbing the wires <laughs> yeah. as he flips back over and they still haven't fixed it to this day it's still there and it's just yeah I, I like that though but i like there are like things like there's a bit where the the cop um does the jump over the roof and he hits the wall and the wall wobbles yeah and the, and like that you can see i think there's one where they they take a shot of the the doorknob and you can see the camera yeah and things like that I just, but i love that i love that it's yeah. just they're they're putting it together as best they can or they're inventing the technology as they go as well like bullet time they invented on the fly yeah specifically for this movie but um, then you say about um like yeah like there's the little scenes like morpheus's glasses yeah. like mirror finished glasses until you've got a camera facing him then and then not. they're matte black yeah <laughs> or or they're see-through or yeah. they're filmed at slight off angle so you're not going to get the reflection yeah. which is quite common but like you say like yeah I mean, beyond getting into the bullet time, but saying going back to the the subway thing, yeah, sorry, like from his from Neo's story, mm. that's him starting to believe. Yeah, that's not him believing. No, that's him going. I can fight this. I can do this. Yeah, I can do this, and that's his that's his moment of being in the dojo. Yeah, and that's where he would have wiped the floor with Morpheus. Yeah. But what that isn't is him realising that he's still in the Matrix. That's him believing that he can fight an agent. Yeah. Him believing that he's knowing the difference between bridging the real world and being a real person in the Matrix that has the the ability to manipulate the Matrix is yeah. different to being someone in the Matrix that can fight an agent. Yeah. Uh, and then no, they know, f- knowing the path and walking the path. Exactly. Fuck me. And that's and then that message that tiny bit of like the, the the whole character progression in Act Three is fucking gone in the second two. Yeah, so let's get into because it's two. I yeah, think, oh, we talked about how great the first one is. Um, the sequels. Yeah. So basically, the first one became this bit of a cult hit, made a shitload of money off the very a fairly modest budget, and therefore Warner Brothers had a new franchise on their hands, and they wanted to make more. Sounds, so they, sounds very Warner Brothers-y. It does. So they gave the the um, Wachowski brothers, um, or the, I think we should just call the Wachowskis. Oh, they're, they're known as the Wachowskis now. Let's so just say the, the Wachowskis. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, the Wachowskis, um, Larry and Andy, I believe. Yeah. Um, they were brothers back when they made the original movies, and they they have both since gone through um, transition, sex, transition uh, sets changed. Um, so for the purposes of this, let's just call them the Wachowskis. Anyway, they gave them a complete blank check to just make two sequels. Yeah, and they all in theory the guys always said they pitched it as being a trilogy from the from the get go. They always thought envisioned what a, a three act three movie series would be and where they would want to get to at the end, you know, narratively at the end of each one. But had a hundred and twenty seven to a hundred and fifty million budget in two thousand two. What's that? And it was released in two thousand three. Yeah, Sorry. and it made seven hundred and forty million. Which one's this? This um, reloaded. Reloaded. Yeah. 
um, because that yeah that they their approach to it was crazy. So originally, first of all, they were decided that they wanted to shoot both of them back to back and make them at the same time. But originally, they wanted them to be released at the same time as well. They wanted you to be able to watch one and then walk into a theater and then, and then watch another one, which is mad. And then it's eventually, ludicrous. yeah, it's crazy. And then and Warner Brothers quite rightly in this instance is one of the smartest decisions they made and went. Actually, maybe we should separate them out and have one. So they had one come out in the summer, yeah. which was reloaded. And then if you go back to the cinema at Christmas, you can see how it all ends. It's yeah. quite a cool idea. And then, well, that's it's not the first time it's done. They did the same with Back to the Future. Oh, do they? What, Back two to and the three? Future 2 and 3 were done in the same year. I didn't know that. that. One was okay. uh, May. And yeah. It was May and November. I, I didn't think. know that. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah, so then what we ended up with was 2003 was the year of the Matrix. Because yes. not only that, we had all the tie-ins. So they also, they went they doubled down on all the supplementary yeah. material. So they had the Animatrix, which are a collection of short animated movies which kind of fill in the blanks. And mm. they, they fill in some of the backstory and they explore different ideas. Um, and they're, some of them were really cool, actually, to be fair. We watched a couple of them last night. Um, and then on top of that, they also made a, mo- a video game, Enter the Matrix. Yes. Which is a sidequel to Matrix Reloaded. And they even filmed like an extra 40 minutes worth of yeah. material, live action, with Jada Pinkett Smith and a whole cast. And like the Oracle's in it and Agent Smith's in it. And it's like there are plot points that happen in the Matrix Reloaded, which you only get the full story of if you play the game. Yeah. Which obviously I did this week. Of course you did. <laughs> so, <sighs> the Matrix Reloaded. So how reloaded. does Reloaded and Enter the Matrix parallel? So like, so little things, so like Niobe turns up in a couple of places during um, Reloaded. Yeah. So is it literally parallel or is it yeah. like a prequel to Reloaded? No, well, it's prequel in the sense that, so the... The inciting incident at the beginning of um, Reloaded is the idea that the machines are digging in the, in the real world and they are, there's a whole huge army of machines coming to Zion, which mm. we established. It got talked about in the first one, but we never saw it. Is the last human city, which is buried underground. That, and that's what's happening. And a, one of the ships stumbles upon this army by accident, mm. leaves a message about it to warn everybody in the Matrix, and then that's it. But the game starts with you playing as Niobe, played by Jada Pinkett Smith, yeah. going to retrieve that message. Now the movie starts with her relaying that message to all the other captains, including Morpheus. Yeah. So they all come together, all the different captains all come together, and then they're attacked by agents. And Neo flies off and does his Superman thing. That's the opening of Reloaded. But that only happens because you, if you play the game, went and got the message. But then there are other things, like in the rest of the movie, so like Niobe, for instance, she comes, oh, we've been sent to bring you in when they're doing the freeway chase. She just right. turns up, doesn't she? And she calls Link yeah. and says, it's Niobe, we've been sent to bring you in. Just follow the sirens, you'll find them. And then they have the whole freeway chase. And then at one point, Morpheus gets kicked off the back of the semi-truck that he's on. And yeah. Niobe's there to catch him. Yeah. If you play the game, you that's, the, that's the objective of that mission, is to get to that to that point, so you can catch Morpheus. Right. So you have to fight your way through oh, the freeway okay. scene. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like later on at the end of the movie, they they have three three captains, three objectives, don't they? The idea is they've got there's the power plant that needs to be blown up. Yeah. The backup generators that need to be destroyed. Yeah. So that Neo can get into the right um, level of the building, so he can yeah. go into the source. Naobi gets sent to blow up the power generator, and in the movie, we just uh, she gets sent to do it, and then we see an external explosion of the whole power plant blowing up, yeah. and we don't see anything. Play the game. There's a whole big action sequence of how you get into the power plant, where you plant the bombs, 
fighting off SWAT teams, all that shit. Yeah. And there's a whole, that's like a big chunk of the game mm. is that action sequence that's okay. kind of cut out of the movie. Now, they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no. What they should have done is put a lot of that action back in the movie and eject some of the wanky um, philosophical stuff because all the philosophical stuff in Reloaded does not work no. nearly as well as the stuff in the first one. No. Because for a start, there's too much of it. There's like, there's Neo's conversation with the counsellor in Zion. Yeah. There's a conversation with the, with the, um, with the Oracle yeah. on the park bench. There's the Merovingian. Yeah. There's the architect. Yeah. There's four and they're all like 10 minute sequences of just talking. But that's not just those sequences of, of talky talk. There's also everything around that as well, like because everyone else mm. is talking about, like Neo's, uh, like Morpheus takes a back seat on all of his prophesizing and uh, like he bit. talks about it, but he he keeps talking about like the prophecy and stuff, but it never comes into the same. Well, no, he's just, he's pushing for it like everyone else because that's the problem. They they set up in the in the second two movies that there's this ticking clock idea mm. of the machines are coming to kill us. Mm. And Morpheus's solution to that is to is to double down on the whole prophecy thing and do yeah. everything for Neo, and all the other captains is like are thinking of it from pure practical, and that's antithesized by um, Henry Lennox's character, yeah, the guy who's in charge of the defense, and he was like, right, get all our spaceships back to the same point and coordinate a defense so we hit our EMPs all at the same time, yeah. And Morpheus is like, now fuck all that, we've got to figure out what's going on with Neo. So he still is kind of bought into his philosophy, and yeah. at, at the detriment of everything else, yeah. That's, but that's what I mean. He's just—he's just dogmatic at this yeah, point. Like there's, there's nothing else. Like Morpheus doesn't grow anymore. No. Well, he does. Well, he then has. There's an interesting point in terms of what happens at the end of the movie, but then they don't explore it properly in the next one, which is the crisis of confidence. The idea of what if everything you, this he believes so fervently, and then to be told that it's not true. Yeah. Because that's the big point of two. It's skipping ahead because we've obviously got to get through both of them. Well, yeah, we haven't. Well, we've got time. We've got time. Um, but the the point that they try and they finally get to at the end of two, and all everything leads up to it, is the idea that the prophecy and Neo being the one is just another part of the system. It's just yeah. another system of control. He is the sixth one. Yeah, and it is a yeah. There's basically it's the way that the the architect explains it, and it's taken me almost 20 years of watching that scene to understand what the fuck mm. it all means but basically it's the idea is that the matrix only works now and it only 99% of the people accept the program because they are given a choice even if they are only aware of the choice at a subconscious level yeah so in theory they could choose to wake up and go to zion yeah and so 90, zion represents 1% of all of humanity yeah. it's nothing um, but because it exists, it allows the rest of the system to maintain. But in yeah. order for that to happen, there's an, there is this anomaly, this systemic anomaly that happens in order for to allow that very delicate system to maintain. And that anomaly is summed up in the one, yeah. who is this person who can manipulate the matrix and has this power that emanates originally from the source, yeah. i.e., where the um, the, where all, all power comes from in this universe, where the matrix comes from, where all the machines in the real world yeah, are powered so like the from. central, yeah, central processing unit of the. So yeah, so the, this this because he's like he is an anomaly inherent in the system itself. Therefore, mm. that's why he's so powerful. That's why he yeah. can do. What and he's things. as much a part of the matrix as yeah, 
everything else. Yeah, exactly. He's he's fundamental to it. And like this version of the Matrix, I should say, mm. because they tried it several. That's the thing they talk about in the in that scene at the end is that there's been several versions of it, and something that was hinted at in the first movie that Matrix. Um, Agent Smith said that in the first Matrix was a perfect world, mm. but everyone rejected it because there's a certain amount of human suffering, and like you can't have good without knowing what you don't know what good is without having bad. Yeah, so that's quite an interesting philosophical idea. It's like, well, yeah, we can't be perfectly happy all the time because happiness is only happiness in relation to being sad. Mm. In a really basic, yeah. like meat and potatoes kind of way. Yeah. Um, so therefore, yeah, the humans have there has to be an element of suffering, otherwise people don't accept it to be real. So that had to be in place, and then that also comes down to the idea of there has to be an element of choice. Mm. The consequence of that being there's there has to be a one. Yeah, and the illusion yeah. of freedom. But then I like that, yeah, they then the machines double down into that idea where they go, right, well then we're gonna let them have a prophecy where it becomes their way their sort of thinking and then they push they they guide the one down this path till he gets to the point where he reinserts his code and everything gets rebooted again. Yeah. And that's there and then we just do it like he goes I think like to think of the matrix as um you know every time there's a new systemic anomaly emerges that's another matrix. so on that basis this this is the sixth version then. Yeah. Yeah, oh fuck. <laughs> like um but the problem with all of that is that the way it's explained is a Colonel Sanders looking prick talking at you. Yeah. And he doesn't show you anything. No. I think that it should have been more like the Desert of the Real yeah. sequence. No, I completely agree. Where he's They a- had enough money. Oh, Between yeah. both of these films uh had three in total had a three hundred million dollar budget. Yeah. Which is fucking astronomical. Yeah. And they should have shown they should have gone, yeah, this is the sixth time we've destroyed Zion. Show us what the destruction of Zion looks like because then yeah. we know what we're fighting for. We know what they mean, and, and show us. You know, he then says, "Oh, and then you select however many people, and then go and go and start all over again." Um, and it's like, okay, what did that look like? And then you can do even little like cute things, like I like the what I suggested the other day, which is if you're going to show other previous iterations of the one, get get creative with the casting, get Will Smith. Yeah, get all the people that were considered for it. Get all yeah, Will Smith, uh, Val Kilmer. Yeah, all, all the people that were almost. So Will Smith almost was Neo. I think Val Kilmer was almost Morpheus. Mm. Um, Sean Connery was almost Morpheus, but he didn't understand the script. Yeah. Um, Which yeah. and that it was that that led him to do League of Extraordinary. Gentlemen, that wasn't and it? Um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because he was offered both of them, didn't understand either of them, and then did for a gentleman. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So that's the point of two. And then and I the, like what, the the story of two. Yeah. The plot. Because the through line throughout the whole thing, for me, I just, I always get lost with the, the actual plot of it. And I'm just yeah. like, because it, it's, the, it's, it's talking mm. plus action sequences yeah. that aren't really particularly well knitted together. No. And then you're like, well, what? Hang on, what we do? So we want the key, the key we want maker. The, key maker. But the thing is, so it's but basically, why do they want the key? Ma- why, why do they decide they need? The, is it because the, the oracle told the them? The oracle tells them to get the key maker. But the problem with that is, so she tells them to get the key maker, and the key maker gets them to the source. So that is yeah. the quest. That's what they got to do in yeah. two. But that doesn't. That conversation doesn't happen until forty five minutes into the fucking movie. Yeah, we've already. That's after they've been to Zion. That's after yeah. the raves, the infamous rave sequence, and one of the weirdest yeah. sex scenes you've ever seen in your life. 
Yeah. Um, that's after all that shit. So we don't actually get the plot of what's meant to be happening until 45 minutes into a two-hour movie. Yeah. Which is fucking crazy. <laughs> like, it, so that's yeah. your problem. And that, and that also means that you've, like... And you've also had, like, conversations like the fucking... The, um, the counsellor bloke in Zion. Yeah. Talking about the machines and are we slaves to the machines or are they uh, slaves to us? Mm. And again, like... The, the problem that I have with it, and I think particularly going back to it now, as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, no, cool action sequences and all the other stuff kind of went over my head. Going back to it now, I understand the philosophy stuff better. Mm. I understand what it is they're getting at, but it doesn't make it... It's not an entertaining movie. That's no. its fundamental flaw. The first one don't, manages to do both. This second one doesn't do it. No. Because it's just like... <clears throat> yeah, they just, they just lay it all out. And I'm like, I appreciate what they're going for. I really like the conclusion they come to at the end, mm. which is the idea that you can't really resist. It's like, yeah. it's all just another system of control. And it's like, fuck, that's dark. There's like bad guys winning. The futility is like, oh shit, that's really, and that's, that makes you question everything. Really cool. The way they got there was crap. Yeah. <laughs> like, really yeah. Con- convoluted. Like, yeah, just like, again, I get the point of like the, the counselor sequence where it's like, well, that machine regulates our water. Yeah. And so, are we in, we're in control of it and Neo's like oh yeah well, if we wanted to we could smash it because yeah you're right we could but then where would our water come from mm-hmm. so it's like I think of that as like that's my relationship with my work laptop yeah so if I wanted to I could throw my work laptop out the window right now and smash it yeah but then I wouldn't be able to go to work yeah and then I wouldn't be able to pay my bills yeah and then I wouldn't have a house yeah and so there's just right so am I a slave to this laptop or is the laptop a slave to me and it's like I like that idea yeah but it's executed really boringly <laughs> yeah yeah and it's all just really condescending yeah because it's it's the problem is it's really condescending but then at the same time it it doesn't dumb anything down no. so it's really condescending in the way that it talks to you and tells you everything yeah but then what it doesn't do is it, it's not it's condescending but not patronizing if you know what i mean so yeah. it's just it's talking to you as if it's I don't know. There's, uh, I don't know. This is probably me bringing my own stuff into this, but uh, I always sort of compare, like the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions to that. Like, I don't know if everyone had it, but it was like the older friend in yeah. the rela- in the friendship group it was like a couple of years older. Yeah. And because they were a couple of years older, they thought they knew better than everybody else. Yeah. They were smarter than everybody else and everything else. So like when you would have a conversation, they would go, "Oh yeah, yeah I know about that." Yeah. And you'd ask them, and then they'd be really over the top, yeah, and extraordinarily like overcomplicated, and try and make things sound more complex than they are, which then shows how little you understand, yeah, of it. And it's like we're all probably guilty of it in some ways, but it's one of those things where you, if you can't explain something as simply to, as possible, as simply yeah. as possible, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, you yeah. don't understand it well enough. Yeah, it's a, it's and a, that's um, what these two things, these two yeah. films, say to me is that there are interesting things in there, but they're not allowed to. Dr- they're not aware, or don't have enough understanding to be able to drill it down into a way that you can go. Well, that just, makes sense. I think the bit, the worst thing is that they've forgotten their filmmaking techniques. Yeah, they've forgotten the the technique, the techniques that you understand that the the medium that you've chosen to tell this story in is a visual medium. Yeah, use that, and they had like such mastery over it in the first one. That's what frustrates me is that you know through the the imagery of like of Morpheus or through you know. Um, 
just yeah the combination of the the way the things the things were shot and the way things were you know the metaphors that you could see from the from the visualization of things were able were storytelling techniques and they seem to have just forgotten all that in the second one they just go right no he's going to sit down on a park bench and talk to this old woman yeah and that's it yeah that's all they that's all they do it's like well guys, maybe you should have written a book or done a play or something because I'm here to watch a movie. Yeah. And then they, then they remember and they do action sequences. And for me, the action sequences fall down in the second one as well because with the exception of the um, highway sequence, which is awesome. Yeah. Because there's a lot of practical, like just blowing up shit in there. And it's, yeah. it's done fucking spectacularly. Um, particularly like the motorbike sequence where she's going backwards down the motorway like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's fucking, you don't, yeah. But the other ones, the hand-to-hand fighting in the second one, mm. It's too choreographed. Yeah. It's over choreographed. Like the worst, it's the Burley Brawl, but then also the Chateau fight with yeah. all the henchmen. Yeah. That's and it just goes on, they go on for too long and they just, they feel like dances. They feel like, it's kind of like. And not have, in a good way. No, they feel like, and then I go here and then you go here and then I go here and then you go there, you go there. and then You can they, almost hear them counting. Yeah. You can hear the rhythm of it and they and it's like, the, oh, we're just doing a routine. And it's like I'm watching Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah. Whereas in the first one, like it's just as choreographed, it has to be. Mm. But the fight between Smith and Neo is like, oh, they look like they're hurt, trying to hurt each other. Yeah. They're genuinely trying to fucking kill each other. These two guys. Yeah. Whereas in yeah, when he's fighting all those like the Merovingians henchmen, it's just like, well, this is a very pretty looking ballet that you guys are doing. Yeah. And it's slightly violent. Yeah. That's kind of it. But there's also no like. Well, they're swing. There's... They're swinging to hit each other's weapons, not to hit each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It feels a little bit, and they had the same problem in the um, Star Wars prequels. Yeah. They were too overly, and I don't feel like either one of the people were trying to hurt each other. Yeah. They were just going through the motions. Yeah. To put on a show. Yeah. Like, and I think the the exception to that in episode one is after Qui-Gon's been killed. Oh, yeah. No, uh, but... <laughs> no. oh, my boy. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, it all feels... Like da 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 one and two and three and four and punch kick use the sword yeah it's the whole excess of it as well like I remember the burly brawl just gets ridiculous it starts off where he's fighting a bunch of alien sniffs and then it gets so ridiculous they have to replace him with a digital version and it looks really crap and uncanny valley and again you go back to like I watched it doesn't even look uncanny valley it just looks bad because the uncanny valley is like when we saw that Unreal Engine demo. Where there's He's, there's a part of that, and then all of a sudden you're watching it, and you go, "Oh God!" Yeah, and you realise, and it makes you feel really uncomfortable. Whereas this, you're just like, "That's just bad visual effects." It's like a plastic man. Um, it's just like, yeah, it's just like if you can't capture it in camera, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, because then it takes us out of it, and it's just like you. It's the essential problem that they, they wrote themselves into the corner of in the first one is that you've made Neo uh, God. So how can you then, you can't have yeah. a, a any sort of Kung Fu sequence in The Matrix, have any sort of tension to it anymore yeah. now, because you've just made him too powerful. And that's the thing, like the one, that going back to what I was saying before, one of the things that I wanted to see, which they, I don't know if they hinted at in the in the, the Merovingian fight, which is when he blocks a sword with his hand, and yeah. he bleeds. So he's just a man, yeah. And you go, mm. is that here... Is this him having this big conversation with the Mary of Indian before, which has caused him to question himself? 
yeah. which has caused his ego to have a bit See, of a that, shake, that which is, then has an effect on his abilities in the Matrix. Mm, that would be interesting. Like, you imagine if it, like, say, they go the opposite way in terms of how they progress from two into three, is that he's confronted with this truth that he's not the one. So you think mm. that it would have that exactly that effect. He'd go, and then suddenly he loses all his powers mm. because he doesn't believe in himself anymore. Yeah. But then where do you go from there? Now, and then he, and then it's and the, then the, the questioning one. ability of his ego being taken out of that and realizing his place yeah. in the universe yeah. from, you know, when we're talking about, uh, the architect, like determinism. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, like his place in the universe isn't to be him. Mm. His ego is different from his position. Yeah. What he does and how he does it is different from his personality and his consciousness. Yeah. He's there as a tool because functionally he's part of the matrix. Yeah. And he is deterministically something that's going to happen in the yeah. matrix. But for him to realise that position in the universe and go, right, I'm aware that I needed to be in this position for this to happen. And when Trinity dies, that's devastating to him. But he now knows that this is the point that I need to do this. And you start to see a little bit of that if you bring your own shit in. Yeah. But none of it's in the film. No. It's relying on you to make that connection and yeah. to build, build it up in your own head. Yeah, exactly. You can read into it and you can make your own, yeah. Like the the, the 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 appearance of the like the Oracle, for example, like you you can go off of the back of you think right, the Oracle in the first one was designed to be this like homely lady who's very comfortable and she makes cookies and she's surrounded by kids and everybody loves her. She's like the auntie of the building. Yeah. And then but when you put that in the next one you go, right, this 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 is quite clever because she, again, from a deterministic point of view is there to manipulate Neo. She's there, she's the the uh, the action, you know, the piece of code that pushes Neo off to one side to realise where he goes and then that's his path. Yeah. So she's the person that causes this self-actualization for him to follow his deterministic path to get to this point. If she looked like, you know, a six foot eight bald white guy that's covered in muscles and tattoos, you wouldn't get that appearance because that's playing less to the humanistic aspect of it. But having her be in that appearance makes more sense because you trust her. Yeah, but I like I like the idea that like her appearance will change slightly based on each iteration of the ones, like who appeals most to this version. Exactly. Um, and that's, her appearance is another interesting point because we can talk about that maybe uh, when we get there. But there's obviously the idea that unfortunately that actress passed away yeah. during filming. So they do actually switch out. Yeah. Um, but they find a way to make incorporate that into the story. Kind of. In an interesting way. Um, but I don't, I still don't get it because they're like, I get that they had to change actress. But then they start. They start really. They're like, oh, and shit. I had to make this choice, which mm. med- led to me doing this. And you're like, yeah. You still, but were you really attached to that image? Like, no. I think it was a case of yeah. It it um, it cost me more than I was hoping it would. So I felt like she had to like reboot herself or whatever. Right. And it was a case of. And then the Merovingian makes a point of saying like, hopefully she's learned a lesson now. Right. That's what he says in the club, isn't it? Yeah. So tell tell her that you know the the um the truth sayer or whatever he calls yeah. her. He calls her something just right as like, yeah. She's soothsayer. She, yeah. She's um Yeah, so it's some sort of punishment. But the idea I think is that there's a complicated element with her, whereas like to a certain extent her original function is to, like you say, guide the one down the path mm. that they're meant to go down because it's all under control. 
the one is meant to happen. He's meant to do this so that we can reboot and start all over again, keep this cycle mm. going. But I feel like she is also playing like, the idea they get to at the end of it. It's like you're playing a dangerous game because she wants change. Yeah, she's like, I'm hoping that this time round things are going to be different. Yeah, so she's hoping for that and trying to push for that as much as she can, whilst also staying within the confines of her programming. So yeah. she's kind of she's playing a dangerous game. Is exactly what um what the architect says for her at the very end. Yeah. Um. But what's her end game to see something different? Just something different, or what? no? I think she wants. Yeah, she wants. Um, like she said, what is the purpose? The purpose of the architect is to balance the equation. Mm. What's your purpose to unbalance it? Yeah. So she wants peace. I think she wants peace, and she wants. Um, yeah, she wants what we get to at the end. Yeah. Um, she wants the people to have the ability to choose and when she says people as well that's what's quite ambiguous about what they finally get to at the end is that there are machines that also want out of the system yeah that's what's quite interesting when they get into particularly they talk about it in the third one where they have the 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 family who are at the train station where we we it's they sort of break that binary of machines bad humans good yeah or programs bad humans yeah. good and they go right. Well, what if because the, the system and the power structure of the whole thing is that you've got the you know the ruling class, if you like. So the Mer- the Merovingian and the um, well, not even the Merovingian, but like the the architect and the actual the, those in power. And then you've got all the programs who are just doing what they're told, following orders. Yeah. And it's like right. Well, it's like again, if you're trying to replicate it into the real world, it's like right. Well, the pro- you know Marx is is where a lot mm. of this comes stuff comes from. So the proletariat are like the people who are in Zion, yeah. who are literally the labor force, who are being their power is being extracted mm. to power the power giant. But then that also means there are people like the the bourgeois, so the people who are like higher class. They're also slaves to the king. Yeah, they also have to just do whatever the king. If the king says we're going to war, yeah. they have to send their firstborn sons off to war. Yeah, and send the sentinel down to, to Zion to kill people. They don't want to do it, but they have to yeah. because that's what the power structure says. And it's like, okay, you've you've layered it more complicated, so now it's more akin to the real world. It's not as easy as empire bad, rebels good. Yeah, they've and like, again, I like so much. A lot of these ideas are great and interesting, but they just don't execute them very well. No, like, and that's the thing. It's it's neither the philosophy nor the or action. the action no. are balanced enough as no. they are in the first and I feel like they could have done that better like yeah so I feel like a lot of the, the matrix based action sequences should have been Niobe mm. because Niobe isn't the one she's just another person yeah as like her mission is just as important because it's yeah. helping Neo it's saving Morpheus at the right time it's blowing up the thing so that Neo can do his thing yeah but at any point she could die yeah she could like at any point everyone around her could turn into an agent and she can't fight him she's just a so that's why they should have swapped out and said right well We'll have Neo fight, you know, when we need to have Neo, and there's something supernatural needs to happen. But for the for the, you know, nuts and bolts, gritty, blowing up the fucking um, the facility, or you know, tearing people apart with bullet time, we'll have someone who is just a resistance yeah. fighter, Niobe. Yeah, some people like we should follow their plot lines rather than God. Yeah, until we need to. Until we, and if you're trying to, when you get to a point where you're trying to make a bigger point about the wider system, then we can go come back to yeah. Neo. But for the purposes of making a compelling action sequence, yeah. you should probably have someone who could potentially die. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> because at no, po- I didn't feel any stakes for any loss of anybody. Uh, really. And and then when we get into the third one, and you think and Trinity dies, you go okay. Yeah, and just it seems- like, well, she was she was never gonna 
like neither of them were going to make it out. Like they they front loaded that so heavily. Yeah, it was a suicide mission. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and they have the whole thing where she he makes the choice to save her in two. Yeah. Um, rather than save Zion. And I think that's that's where the fundamental, where that is the inciting incident that kicks off the plot of the third one. It's because like he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Yeah. What, what he was supposed to do was go to the source and restart everything. But they were like, yeah. well, he didn't do that. So now we're going to destroy Zion and um, the Matrix will like collapse in on itself and mm. everything's got, the whole human race will fucking collapse. It's like, oh shit. Yeah. Now what do we do? So then it's a case of like Neo finds a, a back path through it all manages to do it and it's um yeah i just the problem with it i think the problem with both of them as well is that they they set up this tense like ticking clock scenario with the zion thing mm. and then they fuck about for ages so they like they set up this idea at the beginning of two that oh they're coming they're coming oh we've got 72 hours and they'll be inside the city and then they spend like so they just have long conversations about philosophy and stuff which take up most of the runtime of the movie and it's like, guys, we're on the clock. There's no sense of urgency. Yeah. There's no sense of like, because it's meant to be like, this is like this epic, like Helm's Deep style, uh, overwhelming numbers coming to like this one little, yeah. and that's meant to be the core tension of the movie. And you lose it all because you just fuck about for too long. Yeah. All the tension's gone because we just go, oh yeah, we're on a ticking clock, but let's sit here and talk about determinism for about half an hour. So- <laughs> <laughs> point exactly and it's you just get to this point and you're just like oh yeah shut just fucking get on with it like yeah. and then and he does get on with it a little bit more in the in the second one but even but, that like is in the, sorry in the third one yeah but even that like i feel that it should have opened with like niobe and that and they go and they set off on their missions and she heads down to get to zion as quickly as possible and so yeah. they can hit the emp but that doesn't happen until like 20 minutes into it where they've had to have the whole sequence of the train yard and talking about, oh, I love my daughter and she's the greatest thing I've ever seen and all that all that whole thing and then going to the Merovingian. So we've, even that, we've fucked about for 20 minutes yeah. before we got to the... Shit, we've got to get back to Zion because they're all gonna, everyone's going to die, which is the whole point of all of this. Like, yeah. And that, it's just so bloated and so full of shit everywhere. Yeah. And then there's like... I know you really like the mech fight, but yeah. it's so long yeah. and largely pointless... Kind of. I feel like they should like have... take that out of it. Yeah. Take that whole mech fight out of it. You've got about forty minutes of a film. Yeah. That's like out of the way because it doesn't actually do anything. No, I think because they go right. Well, we killed loads of them, and then we let them through the door, and then they set off their EMP. But now we're defenseless because you've wiped out all of our mechs. Yeah. Which we were losing anyway. Yeah. I think it's just a case of I think it's the the it's good in the sense that. There's, it's the fundamental, this is what we're fighting for. And it's mm. humanity's last stand against the machines and it just looks cool and visually, yeah. stu- like some of the shots are stunning. Some of the, like, yeah. with all the squids coming in. And but it also, stuff. but none of it makes, but there's so much of it that just doesn't even make sense. What do you mean? Because there's sequences where like the the sentinels are swarming, yeah, but they're swarming past things that are shooting them. And but, they continue, like you, people are just stood there with guns shooting this swarm of squids that are yeah. just flying past. Any one of them could have just reached out and fucking smashed the guy's head. Just yeah, if given one, a claw on his no, fucking like, head. If and, one breaks formation, then he'll shoot that one. So if you stay yeah. in formation, it's sheer overwhelming them with sheer numbers. Yeah. So you, all he can do is shoot it, and then if we all slowly move in as one unit together, then yeah. we overcome him. 
but then that's the thing. But they, but they're all going like, like forgive my hands. No one, um, none of the readers can see this, but like he's here. Yeah. And they go rounded, like around, and they're like doing big loops and stuff. And it's like it looks cool, but it's fucking pointless. And you're supposed to be this like overwhelming force of like emotionless logic straightforward they know what they're going to do they know what they need to do because they're programmed to do it yeah and what they're programmed to do is do sick loops past past guys that are no, just no, shooting they, them look, for they're the programmed for one thing and one thing only search and destroy exactly <laughs> and the stupidest lines <laughs> um, yeah i know i know yeah you're right there might be some things in there where like i can't i won't be able to defend shot by shot or every no they make. but it's but they're just i think for me the the fun the issue with it is that is the editing it's the fact that they did it all in one block I didn't really notice that until watching it last night and say you're right literally it's just they do the Battle of Zion and that's just the Battle of Zion and it never cuts away yeah I feel like what they should have done is been cutting away to and from the Trinity Neo storyline yeah so it's like in a key moment in the battle you cut away from it. it's basically Helm's Deep yeah Helm's Deep you don't stay with Helm's Deep the whole time no. just when there's like you know they breach the walls and oh shit what are we going to do then it cuts back to the ends yeah but it also allowed you allowed you that that, uh, that suspension of, of yeah. breathing space but also for time yeah because if you cut away you're then away from that and when you come back to it you're like right time has moved on yeah, here because exactly. we've cut away but it's like yeah it's the, again they, they need to set up that, that desperation that feeling that we had mm. like that feel like yeah it it's it should be better than it is, <laughs> but like the visuals of it, I really like. I just feel like, yeah, with a better edit, yeah, and I think that's true of the whole thing. The whole sequels, Reloaded and Revolutions. If you did a fan edit and made one two and a half hour movie, it could be pretty good. Yeah, I think you could cut out a lot of the superfluous. Like again, the there are conversations about determinism. Like, could have had voiceovers like yeah, for these things. Voiceovers things happening. Fucking uh, yeah, cut in between things like the Zion battle. Um, get rid of some of the like the big like the whole causality thing with the with um, the Merovingian doesn't add anything really to no. the plot. Doesn't make any difference. Determinism is the main thing that we need to get. We need that's yeah. important to the plot. So let's keep that causality. Get fucked. Doesn't yeah. matter. I really want a storyline in there that talks about how two different computer programs fell in love, but had a, had a, you, and then had a child. But and that again conceptually I'm really interested in that yeah I would like to see that in a fucking episode of Black Mirror or the Animatrix, Animatrix. would have been a perfect place yeah. for that and the Animatrix does some really cool stuff with that kind of stuff it does like there's a there's an episode of that um, where it's like the, the guy who's trying to um, run the 100 metres in less than 8 seconds or whatever um, and he, he pushes his body to such a point that he's able to see past the veil and see the Matrix yeah things like that and even does the other one that like they never it's only told to you in the animatrix and doesn't make it doesn't add to the film is the kid the kid's story who is a character in both movies and mm. plays a big part in the finale if you wanted to know his backstory and how neo saved him from the matrix you have to watch the episode of the animatrix yeah it was like we watched it that's how this second film should have started you should have like oh things are repeating themselves and it's like oh is this this is another one mm. there's a kid sat at his computer and that, but now the person talking to him isn't trinity it's neo and you go, oh shit. Yeah. And he wakes up and then he, you see the whole thing through his eyes and you see his introduction to Zion and him and then him, you, he carries you all the way through the two movies until he's the one with the mech suit at the end fucking making the last stand. That's a much more compelling narrative than yeah. what we got. Like, 
yeah, I, I don't know. Like we're, we're we're you know armchair quarterbacking this. Yeah, I know. And but, but the thing, and it's you know the, the difference. You know when they say uh, Roosevelt that says you know the, the the credit belongs to the man in the arena. Like that's all well and good. Yeah. But they they're doing their thing. We're doing our thing. We're yeah. equally as entitled to be able to have this discussion yeah, about our thoughts of it. We're giving our opinions. We're not. You know, there's no spite involved. No, and it's just like I, but, I appreciate what they tried to do. I guess I feel like yeah. they, they could have gone down the route of just making a really basic yeah. action movie of freeing people from the Matrix and just blowing shit up. Yeah, and they didn't do that, so I appreciate yeah. the swing, if nothing else. But it was a big swing and a big miss. Yeah, it like was. in but at both. Least, at least they tried, um, and I'm interested to see what they do in the second, in the last one, to to maybe correct some of their mistakes or fill in some of the holes. Because the biggest thing for me. Is I I finally understand what happens at the end. Second, so I get what happens at the end of the whole trilogy. Now, yeah, I understand what happens with Neo and Smith and the big showdown. Yeah, it took me ages to try and figure out what exactly who did what and where and what. I think you need to share it with the group. Then, do you because... not get it? Then, <laughs> well, do I do, not... but just like I get it on a very surface level. I'm like, okay, so... well, you know, Smith was a threat because Smith's now a virus. And he's now virus spreading through spreading through the matrix, and he can assimilate everything. Yeah. And Neo knows that he's the only one that can defeat it because he's the source code or whatever it is. You know, he he's this you know anomalous point that can delete Smith by becoming assimilated in him, and the changes that he can make to the matrix that he can do to eliminate Smith. The matrix can't do that because the matrix can't fix the virus within itself. Which was caused by an anomalous phen- phenomena. See, that's not how I read it. But I don't. I yeah. But so my understanding is, it's not that Neo. Neo doesn't delete him. Yeah. The source does. Right. But the source is only able to do that because Neo allows himself to be assimilated, and therefore he connects Smith to the source. Because Smith basically, uh, yeah, Smith yeah. says in the second one, he goes, "What well, I was meant to do when you killed the physical, my physical representation, I was meant to go back to the source for the deletion. Yeah. But I didn't. I couldn't. Yeah. I was compelled to disobey." So all of all the source wants is for the Smith program to come back to the source so that he can delete him and yeah. then we can fix everything and restart everything. Yeah. Can't do it. And so what Neo eventually does is tricks Smith basically into assimilating him because Smith doesn't know that in the real world Neo is literally jacked in directly to the source. Yeah. And so that's how they get him. So once you when you watch it now, it's like you realise that he gets like Neo gets assimilated and then back yeah. in the real world there is like a shoot of energy from the source into Neo's body that then causes yeah. the big crucify thing and what that is is the source going right I've got Smith yeah delete and hit delete and then it just deletes him everywhere across the matrix yeah but it's Neo's act of self-sacrifice that allows that to happen yeah so that yeah. that's my understanding of what happened at the end yeah but my problem with that or my contention with it is that that the idea is that Neo made a deal with the with the um, the source or Deus Ex Machina as it's actually called in the in the, yeah. in the um, credits. Um, he made a deal. They said, right, I will help you or I will facilitate you deleting the, the um, um, Smith because he's become he's gone out of your control and he will spread as a virus into this world as well. Yeah, because as shown through the character of Bane, that like Smith can come into the re- real world. He has that yeah. ability. So I will help you do that in exchange for a piece. Yeah. You call off the machines in Zion and you stop. Yeah. And the the source agrees to do that. Neo goes in, does what he does, yeah. saves the day. After that point, 
why doesn't the uh, thing then continue going on to kill all the people in Zion? What's holding him to his deal that he made with Neo? The guy who he made his deal with, Neo is dead. Neo mm. dies. In the real world and in the Matrix. So once that's happened, who's holding him to that deal, that verbal agreement they just made between yeah. the two of them? No one. So why doesn't he just go, okay, carry on? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think... I, I took it from the conversation of... like Because I always took the architect to essentially be... The, the, source, the voice yeah. of the source. Yeah, because then we get the, the scene at the very, very end. Yeah. Which is the architect and the oracle in the new rebooted Matrix. Yeah. Um, and she says, what about the ones who want out? Mm. And he says, obviously they'll be freed. And she says, I have your word. And he goes, yeah, what do you think I am, human? Mm. And that's it. So on that basis, it's like, right, well, it's the oracle. who. But how is the oracle aware of the conversation between Neo and the source? Yeah. Because, and I think it's... It means that she must know of that. And I think it's and she's the yin-yang. She's of, the one holding him to it. Yeah. So I think that the Oracle is... is like When you think about it from like a program side of things, like she's the sort of the program that oversee, that can, can see everything. Yeah. She's the, the program that's like functionally aware. And without her being in that position that everything can be seen, mm. the source can't function properly yeah. so she's required to be in that that central processing unit she's that that allows everything to function around it yeah where whereas the architect is essentially the program is the ai mm -hmm. so the architect is the ai and she's essentially the cpu that's processing that can oversee and monitors everything like task manager sort of thing yeah so without her he can't function properly yeah. And without him, the Matrix can't exist properly. Yeah. So these are all fundamental parts of this program that need to be there. Mm. So when you say like the Merovingian, for example, like the, and then the Keymaker and like all of these things are essential programs that are required for this to run, for this yeah. whole system to run. I so thought, Yeah, I thought the Merovingian was, I, we're going off a bit of a tangent here, but I always thought the Merovingian, because he created the first Matrix, or the second one, and it was a failure, and then the yeah. Oracle came in and created one that did work Yeah, through the element of choice that she stumbled upon, is the way yeah. that the architect says it. And Merovingian, like, what his purpose is in the new Matrix is, I don't know, I think he's literally yeah. just, he's on the run, he just doesn't want to be deleted. I, like, I heard, from what I saw is that he, he was an operating system. Yeah. He was the previous operating system. Now we're using the Oracle operating yeah, system. Yeah, so he's iOS ten. Yeah, but he because the Oracle operating system is the one that worked. Your one didn't work. But like, it's the idea. I like this whole idea where he took all his old programs. So like ghosts, vampires, werewolves. Yeah, and they're now his guys that he surrounds himself with. Yeah, let's have. A, can we have? Because a... she talks about that as well, doesn't she? In the second one, she talks about like these anomalous points in yeah. that are sort of what you would see in sub in in myth. Yeah, every time you thought you saw a ghost or something, that was that that was one of his. Yeah. Or any story you've ever heard about vampires and werewolves and all that 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 are those are programs that no longer have a function. Yeah. Or whatever. And um, I think seeding that and saying like, oh, you know, when we see a vampire, you know, in pop pop culture, they drink your blood and they fly and they mm. do this. Whereas in the and that is. Um. You know, that's like a snowballed urban myth, like Chinese whisper, mm. where it's actually a guy that can jump really far and is far stronger than everybody else and then bit someone. Yeah. You know, or, or did something or drain someone of their blood because he realised that 
that that's what you can do in the matrix yeah you know or this depravity or something along those lines but again it's not no. well versed out it's no. like is it the concept is there but the practical point isn't followed up no um yeah and i think that is the through line for me throughout Re- uh, reloaded and revolutions mm. also from a box office perspective reloaded did really well is one of the highest grossing sequels of all time yeah revolutions barely made its money back no yeah because everyone was like everyone was pissed off by what what the fuck and i yeah i do again there's an element of it where i'm like that subversion of expectations where it's like yeah you think that he's going to walk through the door and there's going to be a big blowout and then it just turns out that no you're wrong and yeah. I, just, I like again conceptually i like the idea it's the rage against the machine is the perfect example of it because rage against the machine gets played at the at the end of one and two yeah um, and I love there's that real world um, example of when you think you're like raging against the machine, but you're not actually with the band Rage Against the Machine. It's, I remember it was a few years ago. It was um, it was this whole thing in the UK about um, Christmas number one. Yeah. And Christmas number one in the UK for like, 10 years was dominated by whoever won the X Factor singing competition every year would then get Christmas number one. And there was one year where everyone protested and... Um, <laughs> And bought the song "Killing in the Name of" by yeah. by Rage Against the Machine as a protest. And then what was pointed out to them after the fact is that Rage Against the Machine and the X Factor winner were both owned by or or both um, worked for the same record label, yeah. Sony. And that to me is like <laughs> is the, that is the perfect distillation of what the like the particularly Reloaded is trying to tell is like you think you're Rage Against the Machine, but you're not. It's all part of the same fucking machine, man. Yeah, is you're still paying the same company. Exactly. Like you think like you bought a Shake of R a t-shirt because you think you're a fucking rebel. It's like yeah. no, it's made in it China. Was all printed in a sweatshirt. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's made in China, and like yeah, it's that whole thing of like it's um, the commodification of rebellion. Of yeah. the, uh, the act of rebellion yeah. is something now that we we the fucking uh, like you know the Matrix movies themselves like you go out to watch the Matrix movies because you think you're awake and it's like yeah but it's still made by Warner Brothers yeah, exactly like who made fucking <laughs> like like is is the um, writing a tweet to protest Foxconn for the the appalling conditions that yeah. their workers are kept on well on your iPhone yes exactly yeah whilst it, those people are making that iPhone for you it's the yeah I, I remember <laughs> that for me by the way that, that this is slight gets slightly political this is the definition for me of um privilege Mm. when we talk when people talk about privilege that's what it is it's being in a position that you can protest or put a poll on twitter and say i think that foxconn should treat their employees better do you agree yes no it gets twenty thousand yes like yeses and 400 no's and then someone at the bottom writes first and someone does a rick roll and it's all of that Whereas, and being able to do that on your iPhone yeah. is, like you say, it's raging against this machine that you're in. Yeah. You know, you're you're fucking doing it. Like, yeah. whenever I say to people, like, you know, pull the curtain back, I'm a social media manager by day. And when people say stuff, I'm like, stop saying it on social media because it's just going to get shown to you more. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's fucking, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's just stupid, yeah, stupid little acts of rebellion. Like I, The one that from I, I remember that I come back to is when, so again, I won't get in trouble with this, it's fine. I, at one point I worked for Apple mm. um, and there was a time when uh, everyone was queuing up to get the next iPad, which is in and of itself a fucking ritualistic, like you're... It's you're, scary. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. But everyone was queuing up for it and our boss asked us to go to Starbucks to get a load of coffees and then mm. go down and hand out coffees for everybody. 
And at one point, I went to hand a coffee to this guy, and he said, I don't know, I actually like Starbucks, I don't want to give him any more. Or he made some quip about them not paying tax. Mm. Whilst queuing up at Apple and talking to a guy wearing an Apple t-shirt about to buy the next Apple product. Queuing. And he's going to tell me about, oh, I don't like it because they don't pay corporation tax. Mm. You don't see the problem with that? Okay, all right, yeah. fine. <laughs> so you can't raging against the machine in such a futile way. Yeah. And I like that, yeah, again, because we've made, like those comparisons that you and I just made, make that second movie and the point of it interesting. They just don't do it in a cool way. They just yeah. don't do it in an entertaining way. It's not and entertaining. It's, no. it's not fun. No. It's just... And then, yeah, and then by the time you get to the third one, the third one is much more plot-driven and much more about the actual, you yeah. know, the story of what we're trying to say here so it's less philosophical um, and I feel like it's again it's one of those there are, it's the consequences of everything it's the consequence the con- what happens in the third one is a consequence of Neo making the choice that he wasn't supposed to make yeah he went for Trinity when he sh- should have gone back to the source therefore Smith became out of control and destroyed the mate and therefore that gave Neo the bargaining chip that he needed mm. to do what he did he didn't do it on purpose no like, but like it was a case of yeah um but it also, again, like you say about like Smith taking over the Matrix, that's something that is not explained. No, well, it's explained. You just the, kind of shown it. No, like, well, the, the explanation given is that the the Oracle says that it's what he is is your opposite. He's the result of the equation trying to balance itself. Mm. So I understand that, and I understand that it's never got to this point before because usually there is always an Agent Smith, an mm. anti one. Yeah, but it's never got there's to this the point. many yeah. for the one. But there's um. But it's never got to this point before because by this point, usually the one has done what we've told him to do. Because he wasn't in love. Because he wasn't in love. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, is that vis-a-vis love. Ergo, mm. concordantly vis-a-vis, you know what? I have no idea what the hell I'm saying. <laughs> I just thought it would be sound cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all fucking silly, isn't it? Yeah, and the mini doors for mother to go out and piddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could quote that thing all day. Um, yeah, so it's just like, yeah, I don't know if... Did that, yeah. And then, then you can't start questioning it a bit more. It's like, did Neo do what they wanted him to do? Because they programmed him with this whole love. It's like, with you, it's much more specific. Yeah. It's love. It's like, you. that's what makes him different from the previous ones. And so did that mean that he he did go where they wanted him to go? Yeah. I don't know. It get, yeah, they are. And that's the thing. So they progress like this time that he had love as the effect from that. But then, are the, when we're looking at resurrections, are we going to look at the fact that they change them all up, and they're like, right now this one works better. Yeah, uh, this one's working better. But the fact that he accidentally, inadvertently comes across the Trinity code, mm. whilst his Neo code and they're both their different codes are in different people. Yeah. So we yeah we know very little. Let's talk about four then as we're yeah. and what we think is gonna what it's about so we've, we've seen very little we've seen like there's been a couple of trailers and um we we know some very basic ideas it's called matrix resurrections mm. and by the looks of it it is going to be a sequel still it's still going to be something that's set after the original trilogy and it's gonna there is a version of neo or someone who looks like neo again it's like modern day um keanu reeves yeah. with a beard and long hair but he's going to a psychiatrist and they have him taking these blue pills mm. that's part of his medication. So the idea is that he's in some sort of simulation. or ma- He's in a matrix. Yeah. But what matrix he's in, we don't know. And yeah. what the consequences of all that are, we don't know. And then there's this thing where they have he has a meet-cute with Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. 
and that triggers something where it's all going i don't know i don't know and my i think my biggest thing is i want to know like if it is set after revolutions what happens next yeah do they re do they reboot the matrix with his code if so and it did like is the architect true to his word if the people choose to want out then they come out yeah but how is that different from the element of choice that was already inherent in the program anyway mm. because that was the whole reason why it worked in the first place yeah or now that zion wasn't destroyed is that because what he says in um reloaded is if left unchecked it would become a problem to, that would threaten the system itself so therefore that's why we have to destroy zion every six so every cycle mm. and reboot it and because otherwise they you know more and more people get free and it becomes an issue yeah so we have to stop it and that's because that's the thing are we not going to talk because mm. one of the things that i thought about was that the zion is that zion that we see is like the first level of a matrix and then the matrix that we know is like a second level yeah see that's a theory but it's never been mm. confirmed because that's what i'd be interested in seeing this and they're like actually the the world that we're living in Oh, but this is, is, that's the other there's like another level because there are the levels of the, the further you go down the rabbit hole yeah but there are like other fan theories about what's going on in the new one as well because there are things in the trailer where you see like scenes from the first movie being projected on the wall yeah and stuff like that but it's scenes from the first movie yeah being shown like a movie so then you go are they going to do something really trippy where it's like the movies themselves are with like our entertainment within the matrix mm. to make people think that oh no that's that's like you wouldn't believe if someone if someone called morpheus came to you and told you all that you go oh what like the matrix the movie yeah fuck off exactly you wouldn't believe yeah. it would you so it's a great like what if it's a system of control whereby they've built this like by parodying by parodying it by, by creating a piece of entertainment yeah by the truth people then dismiss it as being a piece of entertainment the when producers they, is a prime example of that, yeah like. exactly and i'm like that could be real. Like, I want them to get real fucking like meta and head mm. and heady with it. Like, that's what excites me about it. Is that like you know we've got more stuff coming up and we've got you know Spider Man twenty six next week, but I'm almost a little bit more excited for the Matrix because they could. I don't know what they're going to do with it, and I'm yeah. interested. Like even if it's I'm, a swing and a miss, like at least it will be something. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. But I'm looking forward to Spider-Man in the sense that it's a new episode of this huge TV show that I've been watching for years. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we get two episodes a year. Yeah. Like, that's... Because they've sort of... This is what we'll get into when we talk about it. But um, with The Matrix, I'm a bit like... I don't know what I'm looking at here. Like, until I go in. And that's that I've what, deliberately yeah. stayed as far away from it all as I can. So... I, like with the first, I can go in and experience it, mm. and then be like, "Okay, I get this." Yeah, you know. So, yeah, it's kind of where I am on it. Yeah, and it's just it's interesting that you know they're bringing back Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss. They've got um, uh, I keep forgetting it's Yaya Abdul Martin. Abdul Martin. Yeah, yeah, he's playing what looks a lot like Morpheus, and they've said it's Morpheus, but he's not Lawrence Fishburne. Mm. and then I think there's going to be a narrative reason for that I don't think it's not like Lawrence Fishman fell out with the producers or anything like that or mm -hmm. said he didn't want to come back Hugo Weaving said he didn't want to do it again so I can get yeah. why they might have redone that but I think there's going to be a reason why does Morpheus look different and given the way that they've done things before like what they did with the, um, the Oracle yeah there was a narrative reason why that character looked different yeah 
So I feel like they're going to build that into it, and that'll be interesting because the way he talks to Neo mm. in the trailer, in the one that you've seen, even is like um, is um, like oh yeah, you don't know me. And he goes no, and like he's talking to him like he has all that pre yeah like it, it, um, existing relationship with Neo, but he doesn't. But like it's a different actor, so it yeah. kind of doesn't have the impact that they wanted to have. But I'm like, is that the point? I don't know. I'm, just, I'm, yeah. I'm so fucking down. I want to see. I want to see. <laughs> yeah, because I think yeah. And action wise, they've got people like Jessica Henwick, who we know can fucking throw down. Yeah. Um, and we know that Keanu. I like. I'm hoping from an action point of view that Keanu's going to bring like all the stuff that he's learned over the last three John Wick movies. Yeah. And bring it in, although it does look a little bit like there's going to be a lot of superpower stuff going on, which is mm, yeah. I still want to. I want a fucking bit of a kung fu it's fight. The least interesting part of the yeah. the Matrix is yeah. Have a have a punch up. <laughs> like, um. But yeah, that kind of, I think that kind of wraps it up, really. Yeah, right? we could talk about The Matrix all day long. There's so yeah. much that we didn't even get to. But like, these are really... I think the what I get with these movies is that they are more interesting to talk about and podcast about than they are entertaining to watch. Yes. Um, so on that basis, I'm really glad we've got the opportunity to do this one and we'll get back into it when we watch the fourth one. Yeah. Um, realistically, we probably might get around to seeing the fourth one until just after Christmas. Um, obviously, Christmas time is coming up and we've got family stuff and all the rest of it. Um, so it might be a bit of a delay now between this and getting around to getting that episode out. But stay we'll, tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. We'll try and get as much out as we can over yeah. the, the Christmas break. But yeah, well, we will. Realistically, the world as the world is moving on at the moment, both of us have got an awful lot going on. So it's yeah. trying, to, trying to maintain a standard amount of content. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like stay balanced in the real world as well as the pod world yeah because we we do still love doing this and we are going to continue to do it for however long we can but uh when we get to the matrix it's probably going to be a couple of weeks yeah so yeah, but, i mean yeah i'd say that you know we've got spider-man yeah we've got spider-man that's definitely happening I've, i'm likely to be seeing the matrix probably before Christmas but then I mm. think in terms of you getting a chance to see it and us getting a chance to actually talk about it yeah. it might take a couple of, you know a few more days after that Yeah, but we will get it we will probably before the end of the year there will be an episode on The Matrix yeah, Revolutions uh, or no Resurrections Revolutions was the old yeah um, and then we can do our big and then yeah we'll have to think about doing a, a, a review of the year yeah it's an interesting one I don't know um, yeah I've been thinking it's about been that one. It's been a lot, has it? Yeah, it's been an interesting year of various different releases. <laughs> we'll talk about. Um, yeah. So on that basis, thanks for listening, guys. Um, yeah. We will be back for the Matrix at some point. We are going to definitely do uh, an episode on the new uh, Spider-Man, um, and we will see you on those. But if you've got thoughts on the Matrix movies, if you feel like there is nothing of value in the in the sequels, <laughs> and we just talked an absolute <laughs> load of bollocks, let us know. Um, the other thing is like, are you even gonna like? I feel like the, this fourth one is gonna go under the radar a little bit, and people are. It may like. I feel like it could like tank big time. Really? Well, put it this way: I've looked at like um, getting tickets, and not, so the, it comes out on the twenty second. On the twenty third at the Maiden Cinema where I live, there is one showing of it. Really? Eight thirty in the evening. That's it. And I think part of that is due to the fact of Spider Man. And Spider-Man being absolutely rammed to the raft. Everybody wants to see that movie and every showing sold out. Yeah. And so therefore, cinemas are like, we've got to put on as many showings as that as we can. 
and like Matrix is like a bit more of a niche thing now. It's not going to be a blockbuster. So I feel like on that basis, it, it might tank, and that might mean that if this is meant to be a, some sort of reboot, and we then get more sequels after this, that might not end up happening. Yeah. They're also yeah. doing Day and Date with HBO Max, which will kill are they? Them. Yeah. Oh, then it's fucked then. Yeah. They've killed it before it's... Yeah, so anybody who, like, for, especially nerds who are into The Matrix, you're going to download it, aren't you? Yeah, of <laughs> So, yeah, I think... And then the, you know, Omicron. Yeah, but I want to see it. I want to see it at the IMAX if I can. Yeah. Um, because, I, yeah, it looks amazing. We'll uh, try and get an IMAX viewing after Christmas. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll take it from there. So, thanks for listening. Um, all that stuff I said before. <laughs> and we'll see you on the next one. Yeah, see you next time. Thanks. Bye. I really need to poo. Go do it, man. Do what you need to do.